The mainstream church is addicted to affirmation by its attendees and by the world at large. It has a need to be seen as positive and affirming. And I don't necessarily mean affirming of sin, although that does happen, but just the need to be generally upbeat. You know, I I like going there every week because we get a nice positive message and we get charged up to live our lives, that kind of thing, that kind of need for a positive feeling. And because we're addicted to the praise and affirmation of man, we often equate positivity with love. So I feel positivity there. It's kind of happiness. And I feel affirmed in who I am and encouraged would be another word to describe this feeling. And so that makes me feel loved. So I describe that as loving. By contrast, if it's not encouraging, if it's somehow corrective, or I feel that someone is unhappy with me or my behavior for some reason, that feels negative, and so that feels unloving. Now, disciples, on the other hand, have a different metric. Uh, They love truth. And as our culture becomes increasingly detached from its biblical moorings, there's more to be upset about out in the world. And I don't mean being emotionally shrill or angry, but we should be more disturbed by the patterns around us than, say, our parents were a generation ago. Things are really, they actually really are going from bad to worse, just like Paul predicted that they would in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Last night, I was with some friends, and we were talking about news stories. And I would mention a news story. Somebody else mentioned another news story. And our reactions to every news story, every current event that had been broadcast to us, that we'd been on the receiving end of, was disappointment frustration, and general negativity. And that negativity wasn't stemming from judgmentalism or the desire to rain on anybody's parade. That negativity, if we can call it that, sprung from our love of the Lord and his word and the kind of holy peace, the shalom that he desires for humanity. And when those things clash you feel that tension and you frown. I can feel the way that I know it's supposed to be, the way that God commands people to act, and I can see the way that things are. And you feel that tension and you frown. And that frown, as I've said, is simply unwelcome in the modern church, which again, wants to be happy and positive and upbeat. And it it doesn't want it just a little bit, mind you. It craves and searches for some reason, to plaster a smile on its face, how, however false that smile might be. And why? Again, because what consumer would come back again and again and again to a stern lecture if they have been conditioned to expect uh, happy talk, as they say in uh, local TV, happy talk? Who wants to hear a depressing report from somebody? Who wants to hear a brokenhearted rant? And by the way, all of those things are in your Bible. So if your goal is to be seen as the most positive or the most loving place on earth, you simply can't tolerate hand-wringing over sin or over this sin-loving culture that we live in. Matter of fact, you can't tolerate negativity towards sin much at all. 
and 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 the response from the pop church is like don't you love the people in in this culture don't you don't you have a heart for the city don't you love the culture are you a drum roll are you a are you a hater oh no now we've done it one of the great taboos of modern culture we mustn't ever be accused of being a hater oh now allow me to blow your brains a little bit by reading uh from a very old newspaper to you and telling you that hatred is a biblically supported posture just sit on that for a second because it's so ground shaking in these days hatred is a biblically supported posture or emotion or belief or whatever it just is it is and before i go there let me just set something up i love my wife and i'm committed to my marriage and that doesn't mean that i'm happy with her all the time or that i feel romantic toward her all the time no what it means is that i have when i say that i love my wife that i'm committed to my marriage it means that i have an ultimate commitment toward my wife it's the bible word is a covenant i am completely united and devoted to the ends of my wife and my marriage that kind of love brings with it married to it connected to it a whole battery of hates i hate anything that would threaten her does not that stand to reason i hate anything that would threaten our relationship i would hate any woman who would want to sway me away from my wife i would hate any man who would want to sway my wife away from me i would hate pornography or anything that would threaten our union in any way and yes that would include phones sometimes and tv shows sometimes and work obligations sometimes anything that would threaten our uh pure and unfettered communication my hatred is as present and ready at all times as my love is for my wife they're they're they they're part and parcel with each other there's not endless positivity there are things where oh things are going great wait something is threatening this suddenly my face changes i change my posture and we have to deal with this external thing or maybe there's something inside us we have to deal with because if i'm for my marriage i'm against anything that's anti my marriage and i'll apply that hatred anywhere that i need to for instance in malachi 3 god says that he hates anything that would threaten covenant he hates violence he hates threats against marriage covenants he hates divorce and he hates anything that threatens the covenant he has with his people okay now the reason i started thinking about this whole topic is that i was reading in the book of hebrews in chapter 1 and it says this about jesus you love what's right and you hate all evil therefore so because of this love and this hate that are connected you love what's right and you hate what's evil because of that love and that hate 
God sets you on high above all your companions and he anoints you with joy. That is such a striking passage in these days. I'll just read that quick verse again. You love what's right. Speaking of Jesus, you love what's right and you hate all evil. Those are two sides of the same coin, as I have already illustrated. Therefore, because of that love and hate, God sets you on high above all your companions, and he anoints you with joy. I have to say, considering Jesus's perfect hate for evil, there's a lot to hate that's going on these days. There, there just is. How about the absence of justice for criminals? That's becoming a regular story in our country. Someone commits a crime, they don't have to pay the penalty for that crime. How about the murder of babies? Um, that that uh, Praise God for the overturning of Roe versus Wade, but there are still people who are clenching fists and gnashing teeth that we should be able to kill babies in the womb, and that uh, argument, that debate happens all over our country. How about little children who are lied to about who they really are? And what God has declared about them in their DNA. Is that, is that worth getting angry about? What about people believing lies regarding their value, their worth before God? There's, there's a whole bunch of young people, their stories are strewn all over social media, who they don't see the value in their own lives. They don't see the value in family life and having children. And those people have been lied to. They have been deceived and they are deceiving themselves. Is that not evil? Is that worth getting a little upset about? How about people who say that man is an intelligent animal and nothing more? That we're just kind of, uh, we just happen to be at this moment in time, the top of the food chain, and uh, we really don't deserve the space that we're taking up on planet Earth. And uh, really the most important thing is what some would call the health of the planet, et cetera. Uh, th- that is, there is a lowering of the value of man, which could be its own episode. There's a lowering of the value of man, which is worth getting upset about because it's wrong. It's evil. Okay. Um, and these people say that we, we actually serve the planet instead of the planet serving us. What about the belief that man's prosperity through commerce and profitable trade is somehow malignant? that it's wrong for families to prosper, for business to prosper. These are lies. And let me just ask you, as I'm considering Jesus in Hebrews chapter one, do you hate what's evil? No, really. Are you like Jesus in this way? We talk about being like Jesus, and we usually think being kinder, which is a great thing. We usually think of sacrificing for others. That's a great thing. Um, I don't know if you think of him dressing down um, leaders, uh, community leaders and religious leaders in Matthew 25 uh, or many other places, really. There's many chapters given to him dressing down uh, civic and religious leaders. I don't know if you think about him braiding uh, a whip together to go clear out the temple when you think of being more like Jesus. How about this thing, being more like Jesus? Hating what's evil. Do you hate what's evil? Do you hate it? Jesus does perfectly. He hates evil perfectly. And his father absolutely adores this about him. 
Do you just go, well, people are confused. Let's help them. Or do you set your ever loving face against the bitterness and the lust and the rebellion and the pride and the envy and the perversion that's all around us in these days? Compassion isn't the reaction. I like compassion. It's a good thing. But compassion is not the reaction to evil. Hatred is the reaction. Not even ambivalence is the reaction of the disciple of Jesus. God reads Jesus' hatred of evil as love for him. I'll say that again because it's so very true. God reads Jesus' hatred of evil as love for him because it's part of loving what's good, loving what's holy. And you simply won't be taught this by the pop church. It does not sell to their target audience. So they're not even going to teach you to have this godly attitude. And I'll ask it again. Is there an appropriate level of hatred in you? Yes, I mean hatred of evil. Is there enough hatred in your local church? I don't mean that you're constantly raving about the ills of society, but yes, sometimes you should absolutely be raving against the ills of society. Otherwise, our families drink down the cultural poison. Our children absorb what's championed in media and in entertainment and in the public schools. Yikes. Yes, even in the church, they absorb these things. And you and I can be shaped by this kind of blithe, pleasant, neutral acceptance of that, which is not neutral, and it's not acceptable to those who are truly devoted to the king. Because like, like a, a good-looking, seductive woman who wants to draw a husband away from his marriage covenant, these things are evil because they want to draw us away from the pure faith, the pure word of God. Um, a love of him. We, we don't seem to really believe that sin causes death these days and that should be avoided first for the believer and then for those outside the faith. But that's what the Bible says. And I think we should get our hackles up a little bit more. Since you were a child, evil has grown in the world. Again, there's this flow of history. It's a fact. Since you were a child, evil has grown in the world. This is the shape of history. You can read that little passage I was talking about in 2 Timothy 3. Humanity is on a decline. And so has your hatred of evil grown? Now, I would say as a disciple, your love of the Lord should be growing as you mature. But so too should your hatred of evil. Has your hatred of evil grown in the last couple of years? There have been a whole new rollout of evil in our society and in Western culture in general in the last few years. Well, has your hatred also increased as these things have been rolled out? Has your hatred of evil increased in the last 10 years? Anything? Can I get a pulse on you at all? Is this thing on? I mean, are we just are we just smiley faces? Is that what a Christian is? We're just pleasant all the time, no matter what. Again, let's go back to our king, our master, our big brother, our example, and see, is was that the story of Jesus's life? General pleasantness always. It was not the story of his life. Now, now, if you are experiencing a dramatic increase in hatred towards the news stories, and you don't want your face contorted into a permanent scowl like Cinderella's stepsisters, 
then you've got to detach from the culture very intentionally. And so one of the knock-ons, if you really hate the evil that's present in our culture, is that you've got to also say, well, hold on a second. We just can't let it come in unbridled into our home. We There has to be a no to evil. That stands to reason. Titus, the book of Titus says that the Holy Spirit teaches us how to say no to things. We didn't know how to say no before. Um, Ephesians 4 describes us as before we knew the Lord, we just kind of rolled with it and whatever was the culture was giving us, we just took it in. But that's not the case anymore. We now know how to say no, and we have to shut the door to these things. Or else, if you love the Lord, you'll be upset all the time because of the evil that's happening in culture. We want to be kind and gentle and, yes, loving to those who cross our paths. So I'm not saying that we turn into, this might be too old of a reference for everybody, but I'm not saying that we turn into Napoleon Dynamite and sneer at everybody around us because they're stupid idiots. Gosh. I'm not saying that we need to do that about everybody all the time. We're told to think about things that are true, lovely, noble, right, pure, admirable, etc. in Philippians 4, 8. We're supposed to be considering things that are pure and loving, which means we're going to have to turn away from a decaying culture and turn and look at eternally true things. You might turn and look at a baby and bless the Lord for the purity of that thing. You might have to go out and con contemplate a tree and the grass as I was doing earlier today and just going, God is good. And we're on the receiving end of his goodness. Stare into his word, his eternally good, true, unchanging word. But you can't keep the TV on 24 hours a day, hate it the way that you're supposed to, and also keep a positive attitude. It ju you just can't do all of those things at the same time. Now, for those who have committed themselves to evil, here, now here's, here's a little caveat for you is we're kind of talking about this whole issue of we're going to, we want to be pleasant and loving to people with a caveat for those who have committed themselves to evil. We're going to have a problem for those who say things like, if there's a God, I hate him. Or they say with their lives, I'm totally committed to perversion. It's who I am that perversion is who I am. I'm totally committed to it until the end. Folks, we're going to have to be crossways with them. Um, Psalm 139.21, Jesus said similar things to this, but I'm going to quote David, who said in Psalm 139.21, Do I not hate those who hate you? He goes on, but I'll just pull out that one question. Do I not hate those who hate you? The question for us, this is a huge statement here. The question for us is not, how could I come off as a loving, positive, affirming, upbeat person? That's not the question. For us, the question is, where does my allegiance to the king lead me on this issue? Knowing that my fidelity to his word is paramount, how do I demonstrate my single-hearted devotion to him? So we must set ourselves against some people if they have devoted themselves to hatred of our king. 
This is biblical. And I've never, ever, ever, never, ever heard that repeated inside the pop church. And I'm not holding my breath for that to happen. I'm not expecting it to happen. I'm just here waving my little flag saying, what the church? Positivity is not the most important thing. There should be a little more room in your heart for hate is what I'm saying. And I've talked long enough that you know what I mean when I say that. I don't mean being an ugly person. I don't mean somebody who is um, unkind to cashiers or waiters. I mean the way that we posture ourselves toward the evil that comes across our monitors. There should be a little more room in your heart for hate. I don't even mean being hateful to those who are hateful to you. No, no, we turn the other cheek and we forgive people who are hateful to us. Um, I don't mean that we greet people with anger or even suspicion, but we must learn from the master to hate. He, he loves what's right and he hates all evil. Therefore, his father sets him on high and anoints him with joy. Hate all evil. Sweet positivity, saccharine smiles are inappropriate. Just the pure, just the good stuff, the pure, holy, love-based hatred. <laughs>